0: Welcome to episode 424 of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I interview Jacob Tipper. This is perhaps a slightly different type of interview, as we will be discussing uh, Jacob's personal experience of coming into triathlon from an elite cycling background. Although, as he will explain, he did do triathlon in his youth. Uh, But uh, we will discuss learnings he has taken from this transition from elite road cycling and track cycling into triathlon. And one of the objectives with this type of interview is to explore both similarities and differences between training as a single sport cyclist in this example. But in the future, I hope to do similar type of episodes with uh, single sport swimmers turning into triathletes, single sport runners turning into triathletes and, and so on to to get a bit of a, a, a comparison of what's similar but also what is different my hope is that uh, i can get some good guests lined up for similar episodes in the other uh, disciplines of triathlon but for now let's start with cycling with uh, jacob tipper before we get into the interview big thanks to our sponsors precision fuel and hydration they help athletes personalize their hydration and fueling strategies for training and racing Use the free fuel and hydration planner to get a personalized plan for your carbohydrate, sodium and fluid intake in your next event. And if you want even more help, why not book a free 20-minute video consultation to chat through your plan with the Athlete Support Team. As a TTS listener, you get 15% off your first order by using the code TTS24 on precisionfuelandhydration.com. And thank you to Senate. The Sonate Indoor Swim allows you to improve your technique, power and swim training consistency. You can target and isolate specific aspects of your stroke, like your catch or your pull through. And the design of the bench forces you to constantly work on core activation, which can help your body position in the water. And most importantly, you can stay consistent in your training, even when you don't have time to go to the pool. Try the Senate risk free for up to 30 days and get 20% off your first order on senateswimtrainer.com forward slash TTS. Now, without any further ado, here's the interview with Jacob Dipper. Welcome back to That Telegraph Show, Jacob. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. So, how was your run this morning? You told me that you were going to tell me about it on on air, so let's start with that. Oh, I don't yeah. I don't, I don't want to open up with a pretty bang average
1: run, but uh, no, uh, I was yeah, just saying that. Oh uh, yeah, running's finally starting to improve, and yeah, it's definitely good for a uh, good for headspace, seeing that uh, the effort you're putting in is actually is finally starting to pay off because. Spent quite a bit of time, uh, yeah, still quite a bit of time training but and not really getting that much faster, which was, uh, yeah, disappointing at times, but um, yeah, so yeah, good, good run. Just uh, having, a, having a chance to look on Strava to see if I'm, I wouldn't have got a com, but uh, yeah, to see if I've mo- moved up the leaderboard in the segments I was going for a little bit, so yeah, all good, nice, nice way to start a morning. And it's, yeah, actually sunny here and not raining and not icy, which is,
0: yeah, big improvement for the UK compared to recently excellent so uh, probably most listeners will be familiar with you because you've been on in the not uh, too distant past but uh, for those that may be newer can you give us a bit of an introduction to yourself
1: yeah so uh, yeah i'm jacob tipper um i'm a former like elite cyclist not proper pro uh kind of raced lower level uci racing uh but i did try i did win a few of them um so got wins in uh tour Qinghai lake which is a pro race in china the highest altitude stage race in the world um staged a tour in morocco and then a race on the track i was one of the founding members of the who what bike uh track team or formerly started up as a team kgf yeah i was one of the founders with dan Bigham there um and my background from a science perspective is i've got a, a degree in sports science and studied at master's level um and then, yeah, applied that into coaching, in which, and you know, some of the athletes I've coached include, uh, worked with Dan up to his hour record. I'm um, the coach of Ben Healy, um, who won stages of the Giro last year and stages of, um, and sorry, has, and has been up there in the Ardennes Classics in the last 12 months. So he's had a really, really good last couple of, uh, last couple of years. And then I worked with some pro-triathletes, including, uh, Lucy Byram, who had a fantastic result in fourth at the, uh, USA Open, um the PTO race there, and uh, I work with Johnny Brownlee uh, for his bike specific stuff. Um, and then, there, as part of other plates that I spin, I also work for hoob Design, uh, where I'm head of cycling, but i also work from an R and D perspective there. So I've helped with the development of like cat Matthews and Annie Haug suits and some error testing for Alistair Brownlee, and I worked towards Alistair's sub seven attempt uh, that then obviously became uh, Joe Skippers sub seven attempt. So I was at like, the team leader in terms of leading the cyclists and the DS for the cyclists for that specific event.
0: Yeah and that's a topic that we went uh, in depth into on one of the past episodes so I'll put the link to that in the in the show notes for uh, people that haven't heard that yet. Um and and I guess uh, the the reason or the context for this interview is to discuss your own switch from elite level cycling to um age group level triathlon. Can you can you uh, tell us more about that background and uh, yeah your journey into triathlon?
1: Yeah so um kind of I, I was it, it, it's, easy, it's easy to say this, but I was—I feel that I was on for probably my best couple of years in cycling with COVID. Um, I uh, the, the year that COVID started and that uh, you know the lockdowns happened that March, I was second in the UK rankings. I'd won three races in the first month of the season. Just I'd not even started really super high intensity work, but I was for the first ever time I was like attacking on climbs on team camp and stuff, and I was really you know I was. I'm pretty sure I was on for a good season um so yeah I was it was pretty devastating that when I'd had I'd really kind of I'd been quite down towards the end of who what bite to be completely honest because um I was kind of, you know I, I wasn't good enough to be on that team the, the level was just so elite um and I just wasn't you know I was good but just not that just a bit my it wasn't my strength pursuiting specifically and I wasn't quite good enough so that was a little bit um, not great for my headspace as well kind of coming down from that so I was really proud that I'd kind of picked myself up you know I'd had a great experience there but as things had kind of turned a little bit sour for me I'd you know picked myself up got back into what I really liked which was the road was on for a good year and then COVID happened so I was pretty naff uh, I did a triathlon at the end of that year to just for something to do and I enjoyed it and went well and I thought you know this is something I may fancy a bit more going forwards um, but then the next year I was like right you know that seemed like that could have been my year, but you know if that was going to be my year, there's no reason why the next year wouldn't have been as good. So again, I put a really big winter in. Um, when we had second lockdown, I deliberately got myself stuck over in Spain so I could train well. Um, again, I was power numbers were great, everything was looking really positive, and then in the UK we kind of had lockdown number two. Uh, and yeah racing wasn't going to start again and I just really lost my head I found yeah just I'd spent two years training having super hard winters really trying to get my you know my act together with combining work and relationships and everything and felt I'd really put it in and then not got anything from it and just yeah that found that really hard and it kind of definitely took a lot of love away from cycling uh but you know being the kind of individual that gets to any of that sort of level of sport you've got you know you've got to kind of Oh, you're a bit, you're a bit of a weirdo. You know, you've got this itch to be doing something. So, um, I'd done triathlon as a kid. Um, it was a kid that was the sport that I actually started with before cycling. Um, so, yeah, for me, that was a really that was something I'd always wanted to try and go back to and have a bit of a go at. So, yeah, the I think September twenty twenty one that would have been, or like October twenty twenty one, basically when I started back. Um, you know, the kind of normal winter training. Um, I thought I'll combine triathlon and I'll still keep my road cycling going for one more year as a bit of a transitional year um albeit I didn't really end up doing that much road cycling that year and then started yeah age group triathlon from there um and yeah and I learned a lot of hard truths along the way that I was uh yeah not quite the uh not quite as good a runner as when I was a kid and yeah and that triathlon was quite a hard sport to balance and yeah my idea of um you know a, a little bit of it was that you know, as, as work was getting busier, you know, was I ever going to be able to get back into back to cycling with the level I, you know, you know, I could I could maybe have been, and it was you know, it was getting more and more difficult to balance it. So if, for some reason, in my head, I was like, oh well, you know, if I am doing triathlon and I am not taking it quite so seriously, it doesn't matter that I am not doing as many hours, etc. Uh, but obviously, it turns out that to do triathlon even semi seriously does require a lot of hours. Um, so yeah, it was uh, quite difficult, and yeah, I learned the hard way of how to uh, balance all those different things but yeah it's uh been a lot of learnings a lot of mistakes and I think that's what we're going to talk about today this the transition from um you know it's it everyone comes into this from a different point of view that you may come in triathlon from never doing any exercise before you may have been a footballer you may have been a swimmer you may have been a runner um I've obviously come in from cycling and I think yeah there's some learning points of yeah what it's like to come in from with my kind of physiology and how that kind of came into the sport if that makes sense
0: yeah and and for the listeners my my idea is to do these kinds of episodes also with people coming from in the triathlon from a swimming background and from a running background to get uh those sorts of just case studies uh, uh as well but about your background w- when doing triathlon as a kid uh, just briefly uh, for how long did you do it and at what age
1: uh 12 uh 11 till 16 maybe uh I just joined the local Black Country Triathlon Club. Um, Yeah. And to be honest, I wasn't great. I wasn't, I was very enthusiastic as a kid at sport, but I wasn't very good. I kind of only started to get good at sport, to be honest, once I got into my early 20s. Even when I made the switch to cycling, I wasn't very good at cycling. But yeah, I wasn't fantastic as a kid. Uh, I I, I suppose by 16, I was actually all right. I was, uh, I think my best result was uh, seventh in the national, uh, is the, it's sort of the national champs, I think like a couple of people weren't, didn't always go to it because it was like the, you like represented your region. So, uh, Reese Davey, who's head of the, um, the lead centre, I think he's, role rolling the British triathlon. Well, it's a British triathlon anyway. Uh, he was my age group and he didn't do it, for example. So I was probably more like 10th, 11th, 11th, 12th best in my age group. But again, back then there wasn't that much depth. So, um, I was, I was a solid runner. I was probably running, um, in theory, I ran a 16-minute 5K, but I look back and I think that course was definitely very short. Uh, I was probably a 17-and-a-half-minute 5K runner. Uh, I was not a very good swimmer. Again, I look back at my 400-meter swim PEB, and I think, oh, I reckon I actually did two lengths less there in that triathlon. <laughs> I don't think that's legitimate. Um, so I, you know, I was probably swimming about 620, 400 meters, and then I was okay on the bike for my age. So I was all right, but I was nothing I was nothing special. Um I would have beat, uh, you know, obviously Tom Tom Bishop, I'm assuming people are familiar with. I would have beaten his brother Dave at the National Champs, but Dave did a, la- a, la- yeah, a lap less on the run as well, the uh, the cheeky boy. So I still bring that up with him and I still see his mum every now and then. And I call her out on the fact that she let her son do a lap less on the run and cheated. like Dave, who's Tom's brother, actually works in the hoop design as well, but uh, yeah, he's a substantially better runner than me now. He runs like a sub-220 marathon. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but that's that's good to understand a bit, uh, the background. And uh, so now, so you've done two full seasons in triathlon uh, 2022 and 2023, uh, I guess. And uh, when when you made that or when you first got into it uh, with the goal of doing it alongside road cycling for the first season, what were your goals? Did you have any goals or expectations for what you would do and wanted to do in triathlon short, mid and long term?
1: I definitely expected to be better. Um, I'll be honest, in a slightly dilute in a clearly in a very obviously deluded way, I thought I'd be a little bit better, uh, and I, I wasn't, which was a sort of frustrating, but that's my own fault. I set myself up for failure there. Um I went through the I so I did a I did a park run in twenty fourteen after not running in at that point there, so I'd have been, I don't know, maybe it's maybe six years, seven years I'd not ran. And I ran about an 18.10 park run, 18.15 park run. So I assumed that that's where I was going to start back, runability. I assumed, you know, I'd not run in six years back in 2014. So another six years I didn't think would make any difference. I assumed my base level of run fitness, whether, you know, when you've combined that with run as a kid, Got a good engine recycling, would be that I'd be an 18 minute 5k runner. Um, it turned out I was not anymore. I was now a, a 21 minute 5k runner. Um, and I could, and I struggled to do 20, and I could struggle to do 5k without picking up a niggle or an injury for the first couple of months. So I started a lot further back than I anticipated. Um, and then yeah, just progression I found harder than expected. And I think I probably approached bits of training the wrong way and haven't played to my strengths a little bit. Um, and yeah, like I, I, I wouldn't ever say I wanted to go pro with it. Um, it have been nice, but I'll, like I was very a, a small amount of me was like you know don't be deluded, don't be stupid, don't be stupid. Just because like there's you you it's quite arrogant to think that I could go pro a different sport, like especially when I'd not got a swim background or it wasn't anything special. It'd be quite arrogant to think that I could do that, but that doesn't stop a small little like one percent of you thinking, oh you know maybe I could even if I can't turn pro I thought maybe just you know I'd like to be on the heels of a couple of pros that maybe are like their borderline being pros themselves to be honest um but yeah it turns out that the guys that are the lower level pros are still absolutely phenomenal athletes uh, and they're still training 25-30 hours a week and are you know are actually very like you might not really spot them on the PTO rankings and then you, you might not know the names but they're bloody good athletes basically um and i probably didn't respect that enough uh so yeah i was kind of thinking that i might be able to you know, give them a run for their money but no it turns out i'm i was i'm still i'm still not not bad at triathlon but yeah just not the level i thought i was i was going to be uh, through for for various reasons what was your
0: swimming level when when you started swimming again
1: so it wasn't too bad um it wasn't awful considering i did um like I said, I, like swimming, swimming was what I was really bad as uh, really bad at as a kid. So when I was doing that national champs, I was give or take the last out of the water. Uh, but it was non drafting, so I could kind of catch back on the bike back then. And again, the depth wasn't that high really for youth kids triathlon two thousand seven. The depth wasn't what it was now. Um, so yeah, like I, I yeah, I'm, i I kind of started about where I was to be completely honest. I wasn't that far behind swimming wise. Um, Again, with all things, like, I, I, I actually reckon the pool I started swimming in is actually a little bit short. Because I look back now and I think, oh, I was actually quite quick at the start, and then I would I go to different pools and be slower and thinking I was having a bad day. And I actually reckon our my very local not so great pool is actually a little bit short. <laughs> so I don't know exactly where I was, but um, yeah, it's probably. It didn't take me that long to be at six minutes of four hundred meters again. Um, the the big thing, to be honest, was. In, in the nicest possible sense, I don't really feel I was coached as a kid for swimming. I didn't really get any support. Um, the, the people in charge of the West Midlands Academy at the time, even though I was, other than Reese, I was the second best kid in the region for my age group. They weren't interested, because I couldn't swim, they weren't interested in me because they were only interested in swimmers. I understand if you're not getting out the front pack you know, in professional triathlon, then it, you know, it's an issue and I was a long, long way off that. But no one made an attempt to try and see if I could get there. And I don't think anyone respected how little I knew about technique as a kid so I was literally just splashing so I just watched a few um, videos online there's like you know online there's like a five-day pull challenge um, and honestly that made such a big difference to me just literally learning where do I put my hands in the water how do I try and grab the water and kind of push it behind me and that made a huge difference so yeah it didn't, didn't take that long till I was sub six minutes 400 meters but um, yeah obviously after, after that point there it's a big, big gap to get a lot faster, I think. And I think you have to put a lot of work in. And again, I've probably made some mistakes with that approach as well.
0: Okay, so so you have alluded to some some mistakes and and uh, and you can also phrase that as learnings, I think. But uh, I am jumping within the questions, but maybe we start there because then and, and then then we can we can yeah start with that point. What what do you think that in these years that you have now spent uh, in triathlon, what are the biggest learnings that you made? Some mistakes that you would change if you could go back, and uh, and so on.
1: I think, like, yeah. So, uh, we, me and Michael discussed before this in terms of we, d- we don't want to make this sound like this is just me ripping my training or just being super negative. Um, I just think there's lots, I just think there's loads of learnings to be had from potentially making mistakes. And there's just so many different ways of approaching anyone's, you know, coming into the sport and ways of doing things. Um, I also had a rant to him before that, you know, I'm, I'm, I get a bit sick of kind of some of the, podcast and twitter gurus that give out the idea that there's very one set way of doing it you know they can be superly, super one direct one dimensional in terms of t- saying everyone needs to be polarized or everyone needs to be doing this or that um and ultimately th- there's just so many different fits for different people uh depending on what your life gives you and you know where you start from um so yeah to like, you know to give clarity you know giving clarity you know the, the things i'll be discussing are mistakes that uh, are the mistakes of you know, a 78 kilo former sprint cyclist with a solid VO2 max kind of that coming into this, this isn't necessarily like a mistake that may have been a mistake for me, it might not be a mistake that's for, one, for one of the listeners. I might be saying X type training method was awful for me. That doesn't mean it'd be awful for you. Um, it's just, yeah, we're just taught like the, the expression is everyone Everyone is coming into, you never walk in, You never walk into the same stream twice. So, you know, I, it, I'll be very much talking of the context that, of that I am in myself, not necessarily the situation that you, the listener, in, or if that makes sense, or another triathlete's in, or someone that I coach is in. Um, but yeah, so in terms of the yeah, like my approach, and I think how I've kind of got it wrong. I think um, or bits of it wrong. We'll know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see if now I've changed my approach, I will get better this year or not. Uh, so I, I could be talking a little bit prematurely. It could have been. Could have turned out. That I got to my ceiling last year. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think um, the big one. there's there's a few I'll go through I'll go through each sport so swimming I think um I I think I was lucky in terms of I say I got to a decent critical swim speed pretty much straight away Uh, I think you know one I'm probably I'm probably about 134 135 right as we speak right now after not swimming a lot in the last three four months um that's obviously super solid. Like it's for a lot of people. That's you know for a lot of people. That's really good. If you're a pro, then obviously you've got issues. But I'm not trying to be a pro. So you know, like if if you look into you know like like what is that costing you over a full Ironman, which is I think you know, I haven't actually done an Ironman yet. I've been in halves, but I'm going to go for an Ironman next year. If I were to improve that by four seconds, like which is, would would take a lot of work. And then plot, and then assume that that four seconds is equally worth four seconds over an Iron Man as well. Like not that you swim at CSS, but assume that you swim four seconds below your CSS or two seconds below your CSS for an Iron Man swim. Whatever you decide is the right kind of pace for you. That four second improvements per hundred isn't worth a lot over a full Iron Man. It's you know four three, four minutes. I just think, is it is it worth worrying about? And I think last year, when you know, under the context of I was trying to be, I had a lot on the plate. I've got you know with work and other things going on. I mean, not as much again. That is, that's what, that's how I felt. There's definitely people here that, but again, listening that, have, that work you know have a, you know much harder jobs in terms of having to commute and have kids look after as well. Like I, you know, I can be flexible with my work hours being a coach. Um, you know, I can work from home, so I've got. But even then, I still found with swimming it was just a very inefficient use of time was the issue i found that i was trying to maybe swim three four times a week i found that like you know it, it, it it's definitely a sport that the more time you spend doing it the but you know that like you get the improvements through so you need to spend a lot of time doing it basically the more the more kilometers you do a uh a week the better but i just but equally i i i think it's I don't think I just don't think that's very efficient. I definitely didn't my all-round aerobic fitness was not getting fitter through doing forty-five an extra few forty-five minute swims. Now, for you, if you've come from nothing, you know, that that forty-five minute of aerobic exercise might be definitely helping you. But when I've come from doing three, four hour rides in the mountains in Spain. A 45 minute swim for me is going backwards, but it's almost taking as much time and energy in the day to go, to, you know, to drive through West Midlands traffic, which is horrific to get to the swimming pool, get changed, fight for lane space. You know, you, you can't, you know, by the time a session is broken down, you know, you're in the, in the pool for an hour and 10 hour and 20 to do an hour of swimming. It's just not super efficient. Um, and I, you know, your heart rate's not really high. If I did swim hard, you know, for me, cause I'm not a swimmer, you know, I can only swim so hard before my arms drop off. If my arms drop off, I lose technique. I'd be just splashing, which is no good and isn't going to make me any better. So, you know, I have to almost, you have to limit intensity a little bit to maintain technique, in which case aerobically it's offering me nothing, like in the grand scheme of things. It's not aerobically not massively helping me, but it just felt like I was really busy trying to constantly fit like, fit these swims in. Like that is time that could have been spent just chilling, relaxing, planning, doing work, And sometimes that then gives you the breathing space to maximise other bits of your sport. So yeah, for me personally, again, I I really talk. I like to talk to my own coaching about what's the limiting factor. For for some people, getting that swim might be super important. It might be that if you know that is your make and break thing. In which case, yeah, go go for it, get it done, hit it hard. But for me, it's that's not what's going to define a successful triathlon for me. If I lose two minutes or three minutes in the swim, it's like I've, I've quite frankly, I've been throwing that away in transitions by not preparing, by not spending enough time practicing my transitions to be honest. Um, so, you know, it, it's not worth making my life super hectic to get that extra pool time. So for me personally, I've now chopped that down to kind of two sessions a week. I'm just going on, basically going, the, doing the mono recovery days when I've got a bit more time, it's not as stressful and I'm going to just, I'm going to try and make them hard. I'm going to get the most out of them. Uh, I've, I've got X amount of drills that I know I'm working on. Um, I'm going to, you know, I feel if I'm in there, I may as well, tr- I'm still trying to improve when I'm in there the best I can, but yeah, twice a week, go in, get it done, get home and crack on with life. Basically. Um, I think you can just, yeah, the, the thing, the, the big learning I've found was with triathlon was that I was, I managed to make myself really busy. I felt like I was just super busy and super hectic last year, uh, the last two years. Um, and just wasn't necessarily getting the aerobic gains and improvements from that. So that's, uh, swimming. Are you got any questions on that before? I just I don't want to just turn this into a big me giving a one hour um, monologue of my training.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll comment on that. I I I definitely agree with what you're saying. Uh, I think that there's there's one. I guess a devil's advocate argument uh, that that I think it's worth worth bringing up, and that's if you look at it from the perspective of one or two seasons, then yeah, you get very little return on swimming because, as you say, over an Ironman or whatever distance, the amount of time you need to spend swimming to improve even a little bit of time is just proportionally less valuable than if you spend that time cycling or or running. I think the the one caveat to that is that if you're looking at your entire triathlon career and you know that okay eventually i want to achieve something maybe it's something that okay i want to qualify for kona and uh let's say you don't know of course what your. and i'm not talking about you but about the general you yeah well if your genetic limitation if you call it that is similar to other kona qualifiers in your age group on the bike and the run but you're just quite a bit slower on the swim, you might run into a situa- come into a situation later on in your career where the swim is limiting you. So in that sense, if you're focusing a bit on the swim cons- consistently throughout your triathlon career, then when you actually get to a point of needing to push the swim a bit, you, you're in a better position. But but I, I definitely agree that uh, in a short and medium-term perspective, it does for sure, offer the least, by far the least return on investment, and it in many cases it makes complete sense to do what you do and and just and I have many athletes that are in the same position that where I some athletes right now are swimming zero times a week that I coach and we're focusing on the on the bike and the run for for similar reasons uh, as you are so so I I definitely agree but I think there is an an, an argument or a situation where where you are happy for those swims so I can use myself as an example I, I've had years when I've been swimming five times a week consistently 20, 20 kilometers a week with a squad killing myself in the pool and and i know that those were mistakes as well because i was just swimming too hard uh, taking too much energy from my bike and run and not improving the bike and run as much as i could have otherwise uh and yeah getting into issues from from that but now i'm in a position where i'm actually swimming better than ever with three swims a week only and that's but that's probably i probably couldn't swim the way i'm doing now if i hadn't put in those, all those kilometres in the pool for quite a few years with with the squad and also on my own uh, in in the past. So so from a long-term perspective, uh, the, there can still be some value in doing those extra swims sometimes, but that, again, depends completely on what your goals are in the long term.
1: Yeah, as I tried to kind of caveat all this at the start, this is based on, on me and what I think my limiting factors are. Um, and that's not necessarily what everyone else's limiting factors are. Again, if I was trying to be a pro... I mean, I I think I probably have taken that out the window now because of my swimming just seen, but you know, realistically, I know the the words of one person I knew who's worked on his swim a lot, uh, was you need to get out the front because if you're not at the front, you've not got the motorbikes to help you. (laughs) Like that, that, that was his view on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, but for me, you know, I'm, I can, if I knock three minutes off the motorbikes are still going to be three minutes up the road. Um, so it's, yeah, for, for me personally, that that's what it is. But, and and like, I, I think, I, I do think a lot of people can be, um, it's gotta be purposeful. I think, I think that's also the key. And I think you, again, I think I was, I felt like I was busy by just getting there. And what I was doing was I was chasing volume and I was just saying that, like, I I, cause I felt busy and I didn't feel in a good headspace all the time in terms. I just felt a bit like foggy almost times. I was like, look, just get in, get the get it done and be happy that you've got, you know, I've ticked off 10K a week, 12k a week. No matter what happens, if you just turn up, get there, do your lengths, that's your that's your weekly goal done. And that gives you a nice bit of dopamine. You feel good and you feel proud of yourself. Yes, good, right i've had a great week but i have ticked off my swimming and that's but it, it, it for me that wasn't the right approach and it just didn't i think it needs to be more purposeful so you know so although i say i'm not taking swimming super seriously like one thing i am doing and i, I think this has got value is i'm seeing i'm well, i've only been once so far but I've, I've booked a course is i'm gonna see this people in the endless pool basically once a month um once every six weeks or so just so i, I do know that in that period of time that i am swimming those two weeks because i mentioned that i'm just doing drills and then cracking on getting a session done i at least am working on something i'm not just swimming for the sake of it like it is like those drills will have a purpose i have got something in my stroke that i need to improve i'm going to work on that for six weeks and it will be that two or three cues like i like for me it was basically when i breathe to the uh breathe to the left my right arm drops in the water simple as that so i need to just literally hold that right ha- right hand out longer and then get that and then get a kind of earlier catch like simple as that that's what i was trying that's what my current kind of cue is that i'm trying to improve um so i think it's also really useful that you've got that when you are there I just think too many people are just turning up and swimming and thinking that just swimming more for the sake of it is gonna make you better and again if it's not purposeful and it's not got a reason then i think it can be quite really inefficient um so yeah that's swimming for me um then yeah cycling again now I'm coming at this from a former you know a former semi pro elite cyclist not from a you know a normal person and I'm lucky with some of the availability that I've got um i think for me ultimately like it, it requires a lot of stimulus for me to improve that area. And I think ultimately I just was being lazy with it and I wasn't pedaling my bike hard enough. I was kind of like, I was going, I was kind of going, look, I'm already good at cycling. That's not my limiting factor. So let's, you know, the limiting factors for me, are the run and the swim, let's focus on them. Then my bike's really good. But for me, I need, I think I needed that bike fitness to really underpin the full event that is you know for a four-hour triathlon or you know going forward a nine-hour triathlon eight-hour triathlon you know for me I needed that that energy system to be you know that aerobic system to be you know to be really pumped up by my ability in, in cycling and I think ultimately I just wasn't spending enough time I was either when I was doing efforts they weren't hard enough I was being a bit lazy and I was saying oh I'll do LT1 work because that's my 70.3 pace or i'd you know or do 70.3 pace efforts and i'd go out for maybe an hour and a half and do 230 minutes 240 minutes at for me 260 270 watts and be like oh like that but it, for me that was too easy that wasn't it just wasn't providing me enough stimulus um and then i probably wasn't doing enough long rides so my, my, the way i've changed that now really is just like, like i'm good like my background is cycling it's what i'm good at it's what i can get a lot out of myself doing So I've rid, so i've the way I'm describing it is, I've just gone back to pushing the pedal. The pedals harder. Like I've gone back to when I'm doing efforts, I'm now back to pedaling properly. I'm doing efforts at three thirty to three fifty watts, like I used to, and I'm making sure that I've got that ability to, you know, literally just push the pedals hard. It's not overcomplicating things. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't need to take that tape to that. I know that I know that worked for me. I know that helped. I know that that's what got my threshold up. Um, just instead, I yeah. And then I think before I was maybe because I was trying to. Be busy and I was trying to fit everything in. And I was trying to get, you know, I've got to make sure I'm back in time for swimming. I was doing things like two hours zone two, which I think if you're a full time athlete and, you know, that's all the, the, you know, you've got loads of time and you just want to gradually plump your volume up in the day then that's fine like you know you might just need to do, some days you do a couple of hours some days you fit three hours for me that just wasn't doing enough it was that was not enough stimulus to make me better and this is where i think you get bogged down with all these performance models and your 80 20 and your pe- polarization you've got to be applying enough stress and enough stimulus to create adaptation and you've got to that that is the underlying thing of what, like forget all the models that that's the your, really basic GCSE principles of how do adaptation work you apply stress or stimulus you know and then your body adapts to that simple as that I was not doing that it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you're not doing if you, it doesn't matter if that's 80 20 or 90 10 or all high intensity or all threshold if you are not giving yourself enough intensity or not enough stress that you're can then, then improve it doesn't matter what you're doing and push come to show I just wasn't giving myself enough intensity and enough Or, you know, enough load, you know, because that could have come through longer rides instead. One way or another, I wasn't giving myself enough on the bike and thus enough overall to really improve or to even just stay, to be honest, to even stay where I previously was. Like, I, I was aware that I might not be able to be as good on the bike as I used to be, but I think I was far too accepting of being quite a lot worse on the bike than I used to be. And I was just being, oh, it's okay that I'm now weaker because I'm just a triathlete now. It's fine. I don't need to be able to do, you know, I don't do the sprint work that I used to do. I can't do 1,700 watts in a sprint anymore. But like, I couldn't do any, to be honest. I just couldn't do anything. And I just, when I was out in Spain this January, I was doing some, uh, December, I was doing some 20-minute efforts, just, you know, I know kind of everyone, Look, at, it, it, it sounds very basic, two time of 20 minutes or whatever. But um, I, was, I was looking, I, was, I hadn't done a 20-minute effort over 300 watts in the uh, almost in the year, and that used to be my, and that used to be you know, like your bread and butter work. You know, it's not, it's not complicated, it's not sexy. It sounds quite basic, to be honest. And sometimes it is, but at the same time, it, it does work. Like it's, it's not. Really just, I just hadn't physically pressed hard enough. So um, I was spending all this energy being busy and getting to different sessions and trying to fit it all in, and you know, being like, oh well, you know, I've got, you know, that track sessions are that swims hard, that that one bike's hard. So I'm roughly at eighty. You know, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit polarized. You know, I've got, I've got a bit of that ultimately I just was not trying hard enough in the sessions that matter so now it's re I'm being really simple with my cycling I'm either going out and doing efforts and like I used to like in the good old days you know I, I periodize it how I you know, in, in the way that I've kind of relatively always done it except I won't go into anaerobic work I won't go into crit work because obviously that's not necessary for triathlon but you know good threshold work higher threshold work kind of aerobic work, five, eight minute efforts over under, I'll kind of, I will periodize that how I, how I think it's best for me over the next six months. I'm either doing that properly, doing a proper session, or I'm actually going to stick some proper volume in and not try and get back early for a swim, get back early for a run, worry about the other sessions that aren't doing anything. And I found that so much easier. So like yesterday I did, you know, like, this isn't fancy, 55 minute session from my door, five minute warm up, rode up a big hill that's by me that's nine minutes, hard, Rode down another way, another nine minutes hard up another way, and then and then did thirty thirties for 14 minutes. But a third way up these hills, I'm really lucky. That I've got quite long hill was literally on my doorstep, and then rode home. Fifty five minutes done. Whereas before, I'd probably tried to do like an hour and a half, kind of zone two, and just it just wasn't doing it for me. I and mean, just yeah, so that, that that's 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 the side of the thing of it. It's again sounds I'm probably not giving too much help, but I think people
0: can get bogged down in this. Are, are so in in and terms of the now. In terms of your plan now uh, going forward in cycling, does that mean will your volume of cycling be similar to what you did when you were trying to kind of when you were doing the what you describe now as a as a mistake more zone two work uh, trying to fit a polarized or a certain model of intensity, um, or, or does the volume change? Do you focus? Do You do less frequent sessions, and then but then they are either either hard or long. Uh, do, do can you elaborate so on that?
1: It's probably going to work out about the same, if not maybe longer. But it's either going to because I've, it's giving me more energy to do it. So it's either an hour of smashy smashy, like good fun, just get a good session in, push the pedals hard, work, get a proper workout in, or it's actually like you know good four hours. Whereas before it was just like twos and threes, and you know like one and a halfs. And it was just it was more frequent, but again, I just felt like it, it felt like a battle getting them in, and then I just wasn't then I, and I just wasn't pushing hard enough in them to be completely honest. Um, right. So yeah, so now it's either if I'm going long, I'm going long. So that doesn't mean that does mean German volume training seven eight hours, like because that, that's probably too much for me right now. I probably can't hack that. So it's you know so basically Monday was efforts, no, sorry, Tuesday was efforts hard, Wednesday was long, Thursday was efforts hard, Sunday will be a kind of mixture of both like so whereas before you know trying trying to ride just trying to fit too much in all at once and trying to be busy um and it was just te- like i say it, it just felt like i was busy rather than really working on what i needed to work on and again this is off a different you know this is my this is i've got years of, a ro- of aerobic work already in me that means that doing you know i can probably hack this as well like you know doing quite a lot of efforts a week is you know maybe too much for some people but this is so again the context the context is this is for me but for me, just riding steadily too much just it just wasn't helping because it just wasn't enough overload to improve.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Anything else on the cycling, or do you want to move on to the run?
1: No, so I think the I think the run one's the going to be the more interesting one now. I think that, I don't I don't think that, I don't think that cycling's rocket science. I think I just, again I just don't think that you need to obsess over this eighty twenty periodized like. X-Person on Twitter says you exactly have to do this. Some people it works perfectly, for other people it doesn't. There's loads of debates out there with good sports scientists saying that they don't believe in it in the slightest. There's others that obviously swear by it and think it's the best thing ever. It's about what works for you. Like, and just and for me, just too much of it was I was just being like, look, I need to be consistent, I need to be consistent, I need to be consistent. And it just, to be honest, it was killing me trying to be consistent. And what I was doing was I was sacrificing quality and nuance to be consistent. So I was just getting out and getting it done, but without quality and without purpose and without meaning, it was just being done. So it looked like I'm doing loads of, yeah, like to to their models, it might look fantastic, but to me, it wasn't doing it. So it's for you, does it, you know, does, is what you are doing working for you? And if not, are there other approaches that may work differently for now? Switching this up has definitely seemed to help. Um, whether it helps in the term, or I don't know, but like it's, this is the stream that I've walked into. So, this is, and so this is how I'm approaching the situation.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense.
1: Right. Running. So, yeah, it's been, I found this very frustrating. <laughs> Again, constant context of this is coming to this with a big aerobic base in the grand scheme of things. I was very fortunate that I got to ride my bike, you know, as a kind of semi pro cyclist for, you know, a number of years, you know, averaging. 15 to 20 25 hours a week some some weeks you know i have got a big i'm coming at i'm coming at this from a very different perspective than probably what a lot of people listening to this are um so th- at the start basically it was really hard to not get injured <laughs> like just the first like 6 weeks th- to be honest, up to 3 months to be honest i was doing such a small amount of running i was doing like 3 5k sessions a week and that would, and I felt like I was always nursing something. I didn't fully get injured, but I, had, I just had niggles and like ankles, hips. Honestly, I felt like, you know, our pavements have a little bit of a slant, so water drops off them. My ankles struggled with that so much. I'd got so, such a lack of instability. Um, so, yeah, first of all, it was super slow. And then the problem with that, and I think this is what's then gone on for a long way after that, was I've then ran very soft. I've I used Nike Invincibles, Nike Nike React, etc. Super squidgy, real soft, real comfy shoes. And when I think when I was running, the emphasis became not getting injured, rather than trying to run faster. And again, like it's when you're doing this yourself, it, it's it's very easy to like, you know to it depends on what mood you're in to interpret this, but When when you have it, again, because I wasn't in a great headspace all the time. I I felt like I was sometimes a bit foggy last year because I was trying to do so much. I didn't always feel that I was really like empowered with my own sport sometimes. It was just a case of I'd go out and get a run done. So as far as I was concerned, right, I've got an hour to do or whatever. It would be an hour at don't get injured pace rather than trying to really run faster because... I would be, I'd keep that, you know, the heart rate would be where it needs to be. The heart rate is in zone two. So I'm doing a nice zone two run. Aren't I clever sticking to scientific models that suggest everything should be zone two? Cause zone two is amazing. Like top scientist me for doing that and listening to what I preach. Um. And then with that, I then just didn't bother. Like, it, it almost didn't matter how slow I ran. I was like, speed doesn't matter. That's speed's for ego. Like, I just need to make sure I'm in the right heart rate, the right physiology, tick the right boxes. Fantastic. And, but I think with the, the problem with that, with not being held accountable to speed, um, is that then I basically just would run soft. Like, I literally just, I'm almost, I'm basically bending. I I could see in pictures, I was like, what am I doing wrong when I'm running? And I'm basically bending from the hip, from the knee a lot, from the ankle a lot. I'm probably like like squidging down and like having a load of contact time. And basically, I've just not really improved. And through that, through trying to be clever with thinking I'm running in the right zones. I've just not really improved my run mechanics, which is that, you know, the run economy, which is your tendons, you know, um, your tendons, your ligaments, and getting that spring. That's what you want. That's the most important factor as a runner. Um, There's the the kind of famous study with Paula Ratcliffe where a VO2 max basically stays steady for like seven, ten years, whatever it is. But her economy is what improves every year, and that's what takes her from... Being a you know good young young athlete, I think she was. I think she was still junior or Europe under twenty three European cross country champion. But to being you know, Paula Ratcliffe, greatest marath- female marathon runner ever, arguably, um, you know, it, and, it, and it was run economy, and, and that's obviously the thing that you know I've got fitness, so it's clearly run economy is my issue, and that's the thing that I just not I just didn't I just wasn't improving. It just clearly wasn't getting better. I was just felt like a plodder, and I was ju- I've just spent to be honest two years with far too much time plodding. Like I, I I'm not complete, like, I not Like wasn't completely daft. I've not just only done that. You know I, I've still done track sessions. I've still done other stuff, but just not enough, just again, not enough stimulus. It was again, the majority of it plodding. And then I would do a track session, but that track session again, one, I couldn't push myself hard enough. And I was, and I was maybe trying to be too clever. And I was being, you know, Inge Britson runs his track sessions at LT2. Like, so I should be running at LT2. So when everyone's smashing themselves in these track sessions, I was probably just holding that little bit back and just being like, no, you know, don't, you know, you see all these gurus and all these podcasts and all these things oh, oh you know, training's not about, you know, it's about being consistent. You shouldn't go too hard. And so I, I think to be honest, i was being a bit soft. I just wasn't pushing myself enough in those sessions. I thought I was being clever. You know, my splits to be super equal. Um, but you know, so like we do a track session, I'd be running at, I'd, I'd go at exactly 5k pace, um, you know, which is still pushing. It's in in theory, it's probably still a bit fast for what you know the pe- some of the gurus prescribe. It should have been exactly. It should have been exactly threshold. It should have been even slower. But for that reason, I wasn't getting that run mechanics like how it should. Like that was what was limiting me, and that's what I should have targeted, and I didn't. I just kind of tried to be clever with the in- with the intent when I was doing intensity, and then spent the rest of it running slow. It's as simple as that, running slow. And again, I th- and I think this is where for me, this might not be the same for everyone else. For me, that's where I've been wasting time. And I think this is where, again, some of these, again, Twitter gurus and stuff, I think are very one-dimensional with what they talk about and the way that they approach this. Because they're talking about, you know, from a a metabolic health perspective – all this time should be spent aerobically below LT1, et cetera, et cetera. But running's got a lot more, you know, I, I mean, all sports got a lot more nuance to it, but running particularly has got a lot more nuance than just energy systems. It's got this whole mechanical system, of, you know, how's your technique? How is your spring, you know, how springy are you? What are your tendons ligaments doing? How does, that, how does that change over the length of a run? And I think, to be honest, I was just missing that entire side of things by running too slow and too ploddy that's relatively speaking. I understand it's for some people it might not be considered ploddy, but it might for for where I should have been for my aerobic level too ploddy, and it, and again like, you, the problem is you listen to all this. Oh, the the Kenyans, like the Kenyans, a bit, the Kenyans do their slow run slow. Don't think you're better than the Kenyans if they're doing their slow run slow. You should do your slow run slow. But they've been running for twenty years, and I've not been running for twenty years. So they've they've already built up these run mechanics, and they've already got that. And I've not, so I need to work on what I need to work, and I don't need to listen to what the Kenyan's doing, um, because because that, that's not me. So I've so in the last six to eight weeks, I've done this, just completely switched it up. I've just gone right. I am doing it's based. I'm I'm basically calling it either not plodding sessions or mechanic sessions. So I'm either just when I am doing steady runs, steady runs are no longer that steady. They are typical runners sessions where like pure runners you know like runners just go out and they just you know, they get a little bit ego in this kind of run at tempo to be honest like so i'm just, so that's what i'm doing i'm going out with a running club or i'm just just pressing on so let's say previously i was running at five minute to five minute 30 kilometer uh, per minutes per cl- minutes per kilometer i've just shifted that to like 420 to 4 4- to 440 so i'm just moving quicker simple as that for me that is the point and this will change to different people's physiology and different mechanics for me that's the point at which i feel like i'm running at 5 30 i feel like i'm kind of plodding along a little bit like i understand for some people that's a good pace but for me with my physiology with my physique that just feels like i'm being a bit ploddy i'm on the ground for too long so i've just moved that to just literally i'm just moving quicker like the heart rate's still relatively controlled i'm not now running it at under 90 beats a minute that's still roughly you know it's still a pretty aerobic heart rate but i'm just running quicker it's as simple as that i'm just when i'm going to run i'm running quicker and then the other half of it is i'm then running to improve my run mechanics so it's either hill sprints or it's fast like two and a meter three and meters on the track and i'm literally just working on running faster driving my knee driving my glutes and importantly, having that foot on the ground a lot less, a lot shorter time, and really working that springy reaction part of my running. And so far, like honestly, it feels absolutely night and day. I feel so much springier. I finally feel like I'm starting to like adapt as a runner. And I felt before, like in the in the without saying disrespectful to anyone else that runs at this comparable level, I'm a kind of semi, you know, former kind of you know pro cyclist got vo2 max in the 70s i'm pretty i'm in semi-decent shape i don't look you know and when i'm in 10ks or cross country races i'm around a lot of people that just did not look the same as me like i was with you know people that just weren't i was clearly a bit of a different you know like that i I my physiology should be a little bit faster than those people i was with you know the people that have only been running for three years you know kind of i'm running with you know i think like last december i did a 41 and a half minute 10k which again is for somebody who's great and that's nothing that's a great time for a lot of people but it's not no it's not a great time if you've got a vo2 max in the 70s if that makes sense that's like really arrogant or you know like i'm special i should be doing amazing times so clearly something was wrong and yeah i finally feel like i'm actually moving a bit more like a runner and feel just in sessions and that's what we were kind of speaking about before just done a session earlier like an hour and a half ago. So um, I'm still in, I'm still in kit, which is a bit mingin. um but I'll shower as soon as this is over. Um, and yeah, like I'm just, like I'm just, I've just done some one K reps and I'm literally just moving 15 seconds per kilometer quicker than those for the same heart rate as before. I'm just shifting that bit quicker. And I think that for me, that's just like, I wish I'd have cl- clocked into this earlier. Now, again, I'm going to refer to this all the way through you. Everyone's coming to this from a different position. Like, I, if I maybe if I'd done this when I started, I'd have been instantly injured. It'd have been a terrible approach. So it's it, this is also after two years of potentially my what I'm calling my plodding, but without trying to sound too disrespectful to people who's pe- when that, that might be the, a good pace for them. For me, my plodding that's potentially built loads of robustness for me. And without that, I maybe wouldn't be able to do this work now. So you know, it it is you know, it, this this is just the situation that I'm in right now. But I think the the kind of learning is that. I think people need to just work on what works for them and not just worry about I, I have so many people messaging me now being like, oh, should I buy a should I buy a lactate sensor? Should I buy this? Should I buy that? And so like, why? Why would why would knowing your lactate make you faster? Just you're just collecting another bit of information. But you know, if 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 all my runs in the last 12 months had been to lactate, they'd have been the exact same. The paces wouldn't really have changed or improved. If anything, I want to slow down on them. So that would have, if anything, made me even worse. Like, so how is that helping? Like, I, I, I what I needed need to have done was identify that I, I, I knew my, I knew my run economy was the thing that was letting me down. I, I'm not, I wasn't daft. I, I was aware of it, and it was just that I was going through studies and saying what improves run economy, and I was maybe a bit. In, was, uh, Hill, Hill reps was definitely on there, and I did do bits of it, but just didn't take it seriously enough. And then one of the other ones was run volume, and I was like, oh well. I'll do the run volume one because that fits in with triathlon and consistency. And, and again, it it just meant that I spent a lot of time being busy. There's that with another thing that I was trying to fit in all the time was trying to, to increase my run frequency and just trying to, I was trying to run like most days of the week and stuff, but just like not a lot, just 15, 20, 25 minutes some days just to make sure I was running. And it just, and it just wasn't doing it for me. It just was not, it just was not enough stimulus for my body to adapt and that's why it's all coming back to this. Again, it's, I think people are forgetting the initial principle of, you know, if endurance adaptation is you need to make sure whatever you're doing, you're giving your body enough stress that it, and, and then enough recovery. You can't, I'm not then neglecting, neglecting that enough stress, then enough recovery, that you then adapt. And the whole point of the kind of, you know, the, the polarized method, I'm, 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 I'm picking on that one at the moment because that's obviously the one that's the buzzword and has been the buzzword for last couple of years with all the Norwegian methods and stuff the idea of that method is that you are limiting intensity so you can do more and more and more intensity so maybe if I'd have been doing 30 hours a week with what I was doing before maybe then I'd have had really good results but cause I couldn't do 30 hours a week. I could only do 15 hours a week. And I felt like I was running like circles around myself just to do those 15 hours because I wasn't suddenly used to finding swim time. That just was not enough intensity. That wasn't not enough stimulus for me. So I've basically so yeah, the, the whole talk of this was, I've just found the right, trying to find the right balance of stimulus that works for you to improve you as an athlete. And like I say, this doesn't now mean I'm going to turn pro or become amazing. It just means I'm going to hopefully become better than I was before and, as with any athlete wants to do, that's all that's all that's all you're asking for. That's all I wanted last year. That's all I wanted the year before that. I just, you know, I my my running just was not really improving. I was to run a bit more without getting injured, but it was not improving. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted I don't want to be running 30 minute five Ks, which I'd love to. I just want to be improving. And yeah, this has finally started to to click. But for everyone, this will be different for what maybe that it's not just looking for hacks or this magic little you know everyone loves a hack and loves to do the shortcut but for me this maybe is a bit of a hack and this one this one was the one that worked but for you it for you might not be it's just this is my yeah this is my story
0: (laughs) yeah i mean there are so many great points there i think uh a a running theme through that is something that we've talked about on the podcast before uh not necessarily you and i but uh, other guests have have been on talking about this that there there is this trend i think with Uh, a a large bias towards focusing on on the metabolic side of training and performance and neglecting other sides of it and and one example of that is in in cycling focusing a a whole lot on power but not focusing on aerodynamics Uh, obviously that is something that we have talked about and uh and and the same goes in running with as you say economy probably if you did that if you put that 41 minute something 10k into something like the jack daniels v dot tables which are meant to be a bit of an estimate of your vo2 max that would put you somewhere in the in the mid 50s for vo2 max but you uh, have in the in the 70s is your vo2 max actually so so that just shows that okay there's a huge uh, running economy gap there and uh and part of that is just kind of i guess getting the getting the tissue used to running but then part of this definitely how you choose to do your running with um yeah focusing on mechanics as you say and 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 on uh, not doing unnecessary plodding uh and to say the same goes for for swimming swimming is actually a great example of how yeah, maybe sometimes there is just a, a much too big an emphasis on the metabolic side of things because a lot of swimmers get really really fit and uh and can swim extremely get really high thresholds by doing very like a lot of what seems very strange if you look at it from a running or cycling perspective lots of short intervals lots of pretty fast intervals uh various strokes various drills and so on and and i've criticized that uh, and and i still think that there is a good kind of mix that you can achieve but but it, it is certainly evidence that you don't need to go out and do continuous training at a certain lactate level to, to improve, especially in sports like swimming and, and running, which do have a huge mechanical and, and efficiency aspect to them, uh, which is a bit different than cycling.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I think that, you know, I think, like I say, it's so the, like the way that I'm, again, and it's different for different people depending on what your limiting factor is, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Like for me, so I'm lit, I'm going to, I'm kind of just changing this around that like cycling for me is my fitness. That's what's going to make me fit. It's going to give me, you know, good MLS or good VO2 max or whatever it is, whatever aerobic fitness or you want to determine you want to choose. I'm using cycling to do that because I can. Swimming then is about technique. And it's about technique to like under fatigue. So it's like, so first of all, it's the drills, like I say, I need to get better at swimming. And then to be honest, the reason that me, that you're doing the efforts is if any, like I say, it isn't to get fit. I'm not going to become fitter because of doing like a you know, 2100 you know, it's what, 30 minute, 30 minutes of exercise. And I can't get my heart rate that high doing them anyway. So it's not, that's not going to make me fitter. So what that's doing is me trying, is that's me trying to preserve the technique under load and under fatigue. And that's more, if anything, it's a fatigability session. That's what I'm trying to to do. I'm just trying to make sure my arms can can uphold that technique when they're tired, which is what will happen at the end of a half uh, or full distance Ironman swim. And then obviously make sure they're just not in pieces after. So again, with that, every now and then I'm going to do like a pure, I will every now and then do a long swim just to make sure that I can back that up. That's another way of just working on fatigability. I think I heard uh, Sam Laidlow's dad was talking the day about just, he likes the idea of just beating your arms up. Um, and I think, that's, I think that's a good way of looking at it. Again, you're not looking at doing it for metabolic. You're do- looking at doing it because you want your arm to be able to hold up in the last half of whatever swim you're doing, and you want to make sure your arms can then hold onto the bike after. That's the more important thing than just, yeah, then trying to think, I like, watch your heart rate while you're swimming? And then, yeah, and then running, again, just exactly looking at the other side of the picture. I'm using cycling to look at the... Um, the fitness side of it i 'm not that bothered about i 'm not that bothered about running making me fit and I think it's 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 honestly been a really big relief because it 's helped for everything because it 's been a it it was like another fun battle it has been nutrition and it 's going to sound like some people might think this is they might hear this and be like wow he 's a whopper, and some people might hear this and think this is really relatable. I found eating such a pain when I first started. Like honestly, I like it was like being a beginner again when I just couldn't eat. I, if, I couldn't eat within two hours of running, or I got stitch. And I was like, "Oh God, I'm trying to be an elite athlete, and I've got stitch after five minutes of running." I just felt like a, I felt like a beginner. And it's but and it, and to be honest, it's te- I, I've all I've I have all i i did not really get much better at it. I actually got better at just learning what was the amount I could eat within and up to how long before a run. And I'd maybe, I'd maybe improve that a little bit, but to be honest, it genuinely was. I couldn't drink anything within 40 minutes of running, and I couldn't eat anything within maybe 90 minutes of running. Um, and the amount of times i then go out and blow on a run because I'd try not to eat, and then I'd have a call or a meeting or something pops up, and suddenly I've not eaten in three hours. I'm too scared to eat a top-up meal or a top-up bar, and I'd go out and i just see stars after five minutes because I just not eating. And and so and and I found that really hard. But now I've taken the emphasis off, I don't care if I get a stitch. If it's a bad one, it's a bad one. It doesn't matter. If I'm doing 10 200s, I can push through stitch for thirty seconds that's not a problem and I can't I, I you know it's pretty hard after a full day of work to push through stitch for the fifty five minutes of steady running and that's pretty un un unenjoyable but ten two hundred so I'll push through stitch for that that's fine so it's 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 even allowed some freedom with that so now i can just i'm just eating more normally drinking normally while doing these sessions because if I get stitch, so what who cares that's like I'm no longer looking at it from a fitness perspective. Like if I'm now looking at it from a completely different perspective and it's it's even made than eating better. And now obviously because I have been eating gels just before I run or like bars or whatever it is, that now I can manage it and now I can stomach it. So even that alone has been like such a nice little bit of freedom that, and again, it's having these realizing there's just so much more nuance to a lot of these sports that make them better. And again, a big part of, you know, your Ironman will be the ability to fuel when running. And I bet so many people just don't ever take the risk when running. I I, I didn't, if I had a long run, I was like, that's my only long run of the week. It's a really important session to me. I really want to make sure it's good. So I didn't want to take a gel because I didn't want the gel to ruin it. And, but now I'm like, oh, I'm not that bothered because I'm keeping fit another way. So if it's a bit bad, it's a bit bad. like, fine, who cares? Like, But that's then allowed the freedom to like work on this completely different aspect, and 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 and, and, and I'm sure and I think for so many people that would make such a big difference. How how good are you at for all the improvements you can make elsewhere? There's probably a lot of people out there whose biggest improvements could probably be the ability to fuel when running. That would probably be no like you that for some people that would probably save 15, 20 minutes on an Ironman on an Ironman run, and you're not going to you're not going to you're not going to find that by doing by doing anything else by doing fartlek work for some people so
0: it could, uh, could be could be two hours <laughs> yeah,
1: well yeah exactly yeah if, if you completely bonk if you completely hit the run or and you're got, you've got no, you've got no glycogen left then yeah you're really to to take it on uh, yeah so you could save your hours um i think people are and i think people aren't prepared to look at the chain you know these different approaches and these what else is what else is making performance rather than just the metabolic you know total volume total time spent in zone total time spent near certain threshold etc i think that because they can become not not seeing the forest through the woods etc or whatever the expression is
0: yeah yeah that's it was an interesting question that i started pondering uh, the other day actually was uh, when i when i was sitting down and planning the uh, the training for one of my athletes was uh, because i was i think i was just Giving them a threshold session or something and and then suddenly the thought popped into my head that how how would i how would i prescribe this session if i if i didn't have any understanding of conventional physiology like we don't have things that are called thresholds and so on uh, obviously then you would go more to more traditional things like 5k pace 10k pace those sorts of things and in, in in cycling you don't necessarily have the same tradition of uh, of doing that necessarily but but anyway that, that i think that that can be a useful just thought experiment for people to because you, you can easily get tricked into prescribing a session always based on calling it some physiological marker and then give what you prescribe it according to what you think develops that physiological marker but but we don't necessarily know that that's that it's as simple as that in how it works things things interact beyond just uh, the metabolic side and physiological side of things so yeah
1: I, th- I think I think that's the key. I think sometimes people use these additional measures and actually almost can make their training worse because yeah. we we don't know. Like honestly, like everyone's getting hyped that you're going to have this constant lactate measurement device, um, like it's going to be the same as the glucose monitors, but for lactate. And everyone's been like, "That will be make or break. That's going to be the best thing that's ever going to exist." I would not take a single bit of advice from that for years. It's going to be a good couple of years before you go. Does that actually make a difference? Like because we can monitor it. You, you could you could do it and you could start doing your. It's a bit of a basic session, but it can work. Two times twenty minutes. We're going to stick with that for now. At, at the moment, people know roughly what they can do for that, and they know they know how to get a good session out of that, and they know you know roughly what power they'll do, and that that will improve them for you know a few weeks in a a certain time of year if done the right place just solid enough session push pedals hard it's fine if you suddenly start going oh well i'm now going to do that same session but to four millimoles we have no idea whether that's going to work or not we like we we've not got we have not got a clue we do we we do not know if that session is now a better session because you are doing four millimoles of lactate on that session like it's obviously the you know Norwegians would suppose that they they might do testing where at the end of the block they would they've already tested it sometime. For most people, if the sessions that you know work for you, and you suddenly stop doing that session that works for you and just start looking at a random lactate number, which it is random for now because we don't know, you do not know that that works. There is not a single study out there showing that. Efforts at specifically four millimoles are better for training than efforts at six millimoles. We do not know that. That is not a se- that is that does not exist in literature. That does not exist anywhere. So we use this common sense idea that there's certain sessions that you've done before, or that pro coaches have done before, or pro athletes have done before that seem to work. And you test it. You do it. Does it work for me? Yes or no? You can and you should have come up with you know for most people they should have come up with conclusions by now of certain sessions that work for them. So the run I did this morning, six by one k. Most people know that session is a good session to bring on some kind of aerobic thresholdy fitness for running. Like, every, like pretty, like a lot of runners do that session a lot of the year. That's nothing fancy, nothing incredible. If you suddenly start doing that session and limiting yourself. Or, or even suddenly, or, or suddenly destroying yourself in it because you're now chasing this measure that we that we've got no idea how it correlates to performance. That would be ludicrous. So, but but so I, so I, I honestly think people can become so obsessed with these um, these different measures that that they don't mean anything. Like it should like from like my perspective is if you're doing that session today, for example, like the session I did today, six one ks, it should basically be how hard can you do those efforts within the realms of you've got to recover, you know, you, you can't, you can't be doing every session that you're dropping on the pavement after and being sick. Right? So you're not going that hard, but you're going hard enough that you've definitely, you know, that you should have that feeling that I've definitely got that good workout in. I've enjoyed it. I pushed myself. I tried to beat, you know, I tried to beat the numbers that, that I last did there. And, you know, you're not going so hard that, you know, I'm written off for tomorrow. I'm written off for Sunday. I'm going to, it's going to take me a week to recover from it. And you're just finding the balance between that. Like, that's the important thing. The numbers that are out there are just, you know, if 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 that's ten k pace, five k pace, if it's you know if you're using a stride and it's the power, or you know, or if that's an equivalent cycling or swim session, like the numbers that are there should just be they're just a, a legit prescription to give an idea of what you should be roughly targeting. It's more important for a beginner, like a complete beginner, should be you know, like while it's be, be really important for them to learn about RP and learn how a session should feel. For them, they you know they can they potentially are shooting in the dark. They've got no idea how to pace a four minute effort. They've got no idea how to pace six of them specifically. So power, all these other things, speed can be quite you know pace can be quite useful for them. But if you're a well trained athlete, you should know how to get a lot out of that session without needing pace. Pace is just that little bit of a carrot, that little bit of a reminder. That's that's the only way you should be treating it. All I'm doing today is I just check on my watch every now and then that I've not either gone off too fast or I'm not getting lazy and backing off too much any point that's it like the rest of it should be still done to feel um and yeah using lactate going forwards to remove feel just yeah is the wrong is the wrong approach because rpe is still the measure that tells you what's going on above above anything and everything else because that's you know that's what's actually going on in your body that's the best measure how you feel is what's actually happening because it's taking the full context of Are you tired? Have you got muscle damage? Have you got low glycogen? Are you too hot? Are you too cold? Have you got a cold? Have you got flu? If you've got COVID, whatever it is, like RP is the thing that tells you um, not power, speed or lactate. That's just an output.
0: Yeah, there's the additional complication with the potential of continuous lactate monitoring. That uh, I'm I'm not super uh, super up to speed on on everything, but from my understanding, at least, it measures in the interstitial fluid rather like gl- glucose monitoring, rather than uh, capillary lactate as we do with uh, with today's lactate meters. So so that there is the potential that what we see as, for example, four millimoles right now might look like something different with those new monitors because it's a different measurement essentially so if you if you're not aware of that then you might make pretty huge mistakes in if if you're trying to uh, uh, to draw an equivalency between the two
1: yeah, like that, That we'd need to recalibrate that from, like, I, I you know, I, I don't, I do not know how lactate dynamics are different within in, intracellular compared to in blood. Like, that's not my, that's a, you know, a, that's, a, that's a different part of, you know, science. Though I, I couldn't tell you what the answer should be and how that should be different. But from an applied sports scientist perspective, then yes, like, even to start with, we'd, we'd first have to recalibrate what do we think threshold is? What do you know? What do you think the threshold one is? What do you think threshold two is, for example? Um, and then, yeah, we'd have to basically go through all of our, Training again, just monitoring it to see what's going on, and then we can start to look for trends and see if it actually starts to offer up useful information or not. But until we you know, until we've done that and we've discovered, you know, first, we've got to, first we got first need to see what it does, and that will take, you know, like I say, could take years of monitor of just seeing what you know how like what are your dynamics con- when it's being measured continually. Then you can start to say, well, actually, when we look at this, we can see that people. Don't start the first effort hard enough. They're, they're too tired at the end of the last effort, or then they can start to say, "Right, we're going to now try this new approach where when we do six one ks, we're going to do we're going to do it to lactate now. We're going to see if that's better or not, and we're going to test. You do your first one really hard to make sure your lactate level get up, and then actually you're going to float your last few to make sure that it doesn't get too high. That could be the new approach. That could be the new approach. But you've got to test that and then see whether that works because it could be a because it could be a terrible way of doing it. That could be an absolutely awful way of doing it. We don't know yet. And that's the that's the thing. So I, I think I think so many people will get this, will get this device and start just running with it before they can walk. If that makes sense, like any this information is only useful once we've tested it and seen what the output is, rather than assuming that because you've got this new number that suddenly your training is better because you're measuring something else when you're doing the exact same sessions before, or like I say, or doing a worse session than before, but now measuring something. Um, yeah bigger picture is what's kind of more important and more nuanced than just metabolic
0: outputs yeah um a question on, on behalf of uh, cyclists that uh, might consider getting into triathlon then so uh, what aspects of your learnings from now getting getting back into triathlon uh, shall we say do you think are perhaps more generally applicable to, to many other cyclists? So what tips would you give to uh, to cyclists that might uh, look to get into triathlon? So
1: keep the cycling up for longer. Don't just turn it off, which I probably I'd turned it off too much and too soon. Keep the cycling going until you can really, really replace the fitness from the cycling sessions with run sessions or swim sessions i say i I almost don't think you can with swim sessions until you are an incredibly good swimmer like i just couldn't get you know i can't get that much out of myself in an hour swimming because like my arms would fall off my technique would go and i'd splash before i metabolically got to where i needed to go if that makes sense like the equivalent of it you know if i if the last hour of a four hour ride i can do sit i can sit there at 230 240 watts that equivalent chunk of energy like swimming i just know my arms would fall off before i got to it if that makes sense not that obviously energy would be different with different arms versus legs etc but if we assume the same kind of yeah what what i'm getting what i'm getting at um and then the same with running like again i just really enjoyed the session i did then just really good i literally went out warmed up smashed the efforts got back it was four it was 40 45 minutes of running total that does not replace a three-hour ride. It was great. It's helped my running. That is, was really good. I'm really happy with it. I've got a good session in. Oh, okay. But I'm using that, like I say, is this that's working on speed mechanics. It's not working on fitness. And what I was doing before was, you know, I'd do a session like that in the morning, maybe. I'd then do a swim on the evening, and then the next day, then I'd be like, oh, that was a hard day. I'll take a rest day the next day. And actually, realistically, that's when you've come from doing, you know, good solid training sessions. That's not giving you. That's just not giving me enough stimulus, and that's where I went wrong. You know, forty-five minute run and a forty-five minute swim does not replace a three-hour bike. That sounds really obvious, but I was I was doing too much of that, especially in the earlier days when it was just a thirty-five minute, forty-five minute plod running, and then, like I say, the swim I was doing drills or something. Really, that should have been. Reco- I could have done that on a recovery day. So in, instead of that, would have previously either been you know a hard long bike or efforts. It was actually more like a. Re- recovery session to be completely honest so I think yeah not don't I think I yeah I think I basically took the gas off my cycling far too much at the start and you can only re- and I think you should only really start replacing good quality cycling when you can definitely get good quality running in return because 30 minutes in zone two is just a run-ins just unfortunately if you've you come from the level I have isn't just is isn't that special for some people that are starting out that might be that might be a great session. That might be that's all you've got time for, and that might be a fantastic session. That's all you can do on a Thursday night. Brilliant, get it in done. That's fine. But for me, no, that just wasn't enough stimulus. And like I say, I turned off the tap cycling wise. So quite frankly, lost fitness by doing that. Um, so that's the one thing. Uh, and then the other thing is, yeah, running and swimming is just again. I, I I I was too happy to use because I was like I say not I wasn't done with cycling but I was you know like a little bit yeah, but <laughs> annoyed with what COVID had done to me with cycling. I was happy for the change, so I was too happy to let running and swimming replace cycling as this aerobic stimulus. When realistically, I should have just approached differently. Like swimming should have been about technique, running should have been about economy, and that should have been it. Like that should have been the focus. Uh, instead, I was too happy thinking that they were offering up aerobic stimulus so i just you know i kind of directly just swapped them out and just went and just accepted less total volume and just went oh well, i've swam and i've run today that's fine that's my aerobic stimulus for today and it just wasn't enough stimulus simple as that so you know i might have done that on a that on a tuesday then a wednesday i might have again i'd have cut my ride short because i've not got that much time because i'm also trying to fit to swim in and then on a thursday again running the swim or something and then oh by friday i, I, need, I need a rest day so I just, it just like I say, for me, it just wasn't enough stimulus. So yeah, running is definitely work on the mechanics, working on running fast, working on like that's just important. And just again, take some ego out in terms of don't try, you know, don't need to look for big volume, don't need to look for, you know, if if you need to walk. Like I'm, you know, I'm right now I'm really happy with the idea of if you know, if I need to if I'm running fast and then it's too much for me, I'll stop and walk and then I'll carry on running again. But what I'm going to make sure I do is run, not. Drop down to plodding because that's just not helped the plodding has not helped me i can definitively show you my 10k times since i started to now and they haven't improved so very very clearly that did not help so there's no need to do it so yeah uh happy to just yeah when you are running run quicker within reason now which this sounds like the opposite advice to what you hear from everyone else it doesn't now mean every session now becomes a full gas swift race or like you know every bike's now as hard as you can if you swim as hard as you can if run as hard as you can because i've now said the opposite of what people preach with polarized it's just that to not overemphasize the polarized model may be quite as much as what's yeah what's needed unless you know unless for you that's a limiting factor for some people that might be what limits you you might already you might if you've come from football and you know you've been running you've been sprinting everywhere for the last eight years your tendons are probably absolutely mega you're probably super springy like so actually you probably do need to work on just your overall aerobic fitness in which case long steady volume is probably really good for you it just depends on how you're on, on where you've come from this for me the aerobic side was already there so i needed to work on the other side but if you've come from gymnastics skipping like something that involved being springy then that mechanics may already be there so you then may need to work on the other side of the equation
0: yeah and and i think that uh it it doesn't have to mean that you do a huge amount of it uh let's say if you if you are doing three runs a week uh for as a as an example with a uh with a general person let's say it, you might just add a few add some hill sprint as you mentioned but it doesn't have to be like that much as part of a general run and then you do some some faster like moderately fast running and some walk breaks maybe and uh and you could also do and yeah run with general strides every every five minutes you do a, a stride so a, i guess say an eight to ten second acceleration with good mechanics focusing on that so so you, you can definitely com- combine it as well even with Let's say even if even with plodding, if especially for people that are maybe not not as resilient to injury, they they might want to do that easier running. But it's still possible to get in frequent sprinkles on biomechanical work within that context as well. I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, like to, to get to give an idea, the small. I think the smallest session I've done so far uh, was before I flew home from Spain a couple of weeks ago. So I didn't have a lot of time. I ran about a K to warm up. I just kind of, yeah, ran a K to warm up. And I did, I think it was about, I think it was 10, eight second sprints up a hill. that And the hill was literally like 300 meters from where we were staying. So I did the sprints up that hill and then basically walked back to the house. That was it. And, even little things like that I think have really helped me. So, you know, like it's it's also about doing the you know, the minimal dose to get an effective response as well. You just like it doesn't need to be you suddenly go absolutely crazy with this either. So as you say, from a starting perspective, it can be throwing some strides in. It can be like say eight to 10 second hill sprints. I mean, last, last night I did 15 second hill sprints. Um, yeah, you know, just, I w- again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't overcomplicate it, but just if, if that's the thing that you need to feel, that you feel you need to work on, then yeah, just, just, I think just do it. I think is the, is the other thing. Um, take, you know, take a little bit. Again, I, I, I w- there, there were points that I'd either, been prescribed that by someone I was working with, or I kind of put that in myself and just, I I, I hadn't, I just not appreciated its benefit and just hadn't always done it myself. Just, you know, I was, if I do the strides, it's going to ruin my, you know, I was quite happy getting, you know, plodding along sort of thing. Like I was enjoying it and just, oh, I don't, don't want to, don't want to ruin my run by doing strides. But yeah, honestly, I should have, yeah, I should have done basically that, like that was, that was what I needed to do. And that's what I should have done. Like take, you know, sometimes, take some ego out and if you make your run shorter and just do what you need to do but obviously on Strava a run looks better if it's continuous and is a nice round number so that's what that's what you do um but no like I say if you do hill sprints and walk back down again it's going to look awful on Strava but yeah that's what works for you like yeah remember like again figuring out what's important and kind of targeting that within your own your own model of performance
0: yeah um and do you think that there are are there any common misconceptions in the world of cycling about triathlon in general or or triathlon training?
1: Um, it's de- it's definitely harder in terms of to do it all. It's so when so again when I was in Spain in um, basically December, I just I go out I go out there for, for, for to just I need to sun as much as anything because the UK is so bleak um in December. So I pretty much went back to you know. I kind of went back to knowing what works for me. So I kind of went back to a you know what does a normal December cycling block look like, and I just sprinkled that small amount of running and swimming in. Rather than trying to think as a triathlete anymore, I just went back to thinking like a like a cyclist, just to kind of get more legs back because so I'd, I'd not had a good previous. Couple of months, I was busy. I was busy. I went on a few camps with with athletes I worked with and things like that. So, um, yeah, I needed to just get back into it. So I was like, "Look, this this is how I know how to get back into it best. So let's let's go for what I know works." So I went back to cycling training. God, it was so much easier. It was so much easier to just go out. Literally, like we'd we'd wake up at nine, half nine, go out at ten, half ten, get three four hours in, have a calf stop. Come back, and you just got so much energy still because you're not worried about that second session. You know that uh, the in comparison to doing the Brownlee camps out there that you know, I've done in the last few Februarys, working with Johnny, I've tried to join them for a few of the early morning swims. Obviously, not done the same set as the Brownleys and Richard Varga for very obvious reasons, but I've been in the pool at the same time. Um, God, they killed me. They were, it's so it takes so much out of you, like losing sleep to get that swim in. And then you just feel on edge, thinking I've now got a bike to do, I've now got a run to do, I've got to plan my nutrition around that. Instead, honestly, cycling is easier. It's a lot like to, from a managing life perspective, because that's a big part of it's not just the training. It's it's the managing. You know, keeping the bike, keeping the bike in good shape, keeping it clean. You know, waxing your chain, um, making sure your bottles are do- the bottles are done. Good nutrition. It that that became so much easier to do when I was just focusing on cycling again, and actually like yeah i, th- I think probably tr- uh, cyclists wouldn't respect how hard it is for triathletes just to train just to do a tr- just to do a week for triathlon like, you just you are just being busy and like i say and and i think that's where you need to just make sure that if you are being busy that it's purposeful because i say what i did last year was i just i was just busy my training wasn't purposeful it was just like, like it, it, well, it was i felt like i had of doing stuff but they just clearly weren't right, quite right quite right for me but realistically i was just busy um and i think you know with everything else you've gotten in life you know to you know family wife dogs kids you know work it's yeah make sure if you are going to be doing a lot you know you've got to be so well organized um and that, yeah, it's, it's definitely not a sport if you're not a well organized person i just don't yeah i think it's, i think psychics would definitely find that a shock because realistically quite good at being lazy just yeah. I thought, like on, honestly you wouldn't I would, i'd never have thought that people doing four hour rides were lazy but compared to triathletes it's just you are because it is just 10 minutes to get ready 20 minutes to get ready before 20 minutes to get done after done whereas you have that same 20 minutes to get ready when you're doing three sessions a day you just can you can spend an extra two hours of getting ready a day an extra hour and a half of getting ready a day it just takes energy um so yeah, I'd say it's a higher mental and total energy requirement to do the same to get the same gain in triathlon as it is in cycling. Mm.
0: Uh, and uh, what would you say if you have the opposite scenario, a triathlete that wants to to uh, go into cycling? Maybe for those reasons, it's too stressful to do triathlon. What would be your tips for how they maybe need to change their approach to the sport, uh, considering the differences between uh, between cycling and triathlon? <laughs>
1: If you're, I like, I mean, this is. I've not. I'll be honest. I've, have not really seen much of this ever. But let's say you were going to become a racer, um, then the biggest, the biggest things would be learning to race, the technical elements, because the triathlete to be fit enough, the the, the 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 fitness of professional triathletes on the bike, is perfectly adequate like that's 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 not again that's that wouldn't be their limiting factor you know again plenty of plenty of pro triathletes are training you know 15 15 hours 20 at like some of them doing 20 hours a week on the bike still anyway so they're already doing the same hours as professional so, so some professional cyclists um so the you know the aerobic fitness isn't a problem uh, to be honest the thresholds are probably not far off it's the ability to um i'd say generate torque so potentially whether it's like for them probably um big gear like you know big gear work is probably likely important and then just bunch dynamics riding at high speed so things like motor pacing would be vital just it's what it's all well and good being able to do 350 watts 380 watts 400 watts for some of the absolute weapons out there while sat at a constant speed with a on your ergo do you know giving you resistance or up a climb? There's another thing altogether doing that at 55 k an hour when you're on when you're on the wheels and this micro accelerating. um And yeah, I'd I'd, I'd say it's the complete switching dynamics like that. Like that again. This is this is again one one reason why I would struggle. That's what I was good at in cycling. I wasn't just a big aerobic beast. I was good at the I was good at the finesse side of cycling. I was good at positioning. I was good at changing the speed i was good at you know accelerating when i needed to being close on the wheel generating power in technical high speed elements that's what i was good at and obviously none of that translates to to triathlon none of that's a yeah it doesn't help me really um you know so i've kind of taken my weakness within cycling and tried to apply it to triathlon um from a raw physiology point of view but yes that would be the most important thing for them um for I suppose for someone that's just moving into uh just do it casually um there probably wouldn't be like a lot to change I'd say just yeah ov- yeah just I don't, I don't I don't I don't know what I don't know what you change at all I think you I think I think you'd find it easier to just be just a cyclist for those reasons that I said you'd be a lot less busy you can then put more effort into um you know organizing everything else in life that goes around sport and making sure that you know you're organized in that sense and yeah I'd say just making sure you know if you were taking it, if you still want to be more serious, I'd say the ability to generate higher power is probably more important. Um, not just from a, like an energy perspective in terms of like creating anaerobic power, but being able to access it when tired and things like that. Because this is the you know if you just say what's a harder sport, so like I say, I'm happy to say um, triathlon's a harder sport to do the training for. But um, what I like about cycling, what makes cycling such a hard sport, is um, it's the expression of if you're fighting a bear you don't stop when you're tired you stop when the bear's tired that's what makes cycling hard because unless you are Pigacha or vinegar taking the race on which very few people are it's about riding well and far above what you are capable of riding and just hoping that at some point it slows down before you blow up which is really hard <laughs> um mm-hmm. but that but that's the but that's the fun bit for me you know like i love that you are just you know you are riding at such an unsustainable pace and it's just i you know in a crosswind or something and you are just being like i really hope it slows down but because obviously you can't you're sat there at 550 watts in the gutter you cannot go any faster um you know it's gonna it's gonna have to slow down or you're going in the broom wagon basically Uh, i just think i think that's good fun but i think i imagine that's something that, that triathletes wouldn't have the ability to access that Really, that, that from a kind of uh, neuromuscular perspective and even probably have some of those energy systems. So yeah, I think it would be a case of lots of over-unders, lots of, if you're going to do threshold, do the threshold with loads of spikes, with loads of higher intensity. Make sure you can really access that higher power. Um, and then obviously working hugely on the technical elements of riding at speed. I mean, it's something, I've focused for, I, it's something I've told everyone to do in terms of with the triathlon perspective anyway, is make sure you're riding time trial bike at speed, not not just slogging on the turbo it is important to have that speed but obviously for road racing be even more so you have to you know it's about going fast not just about going powerfully and yeah learning the nuance and the art of going fast without power which is being close on a wheel is micro accelerations etc etc
0: yeah we're running low on time so let's take just two sentences for a few short questions so so that's my challenge for you to answer this one in two sentences uh first what are your thoughts on strength training within triathlon
1: uh it's so hard to fit in if you are super busy i definitely think that you should be doing it especially if you're an aging athlete or a weaker athlete in the nicest sense of the word but it's so hard to fit in okay limit Sorry, I've got to say it's limiting factors for me. I'm 80 kilos, with a sprinter. I'm strong. That's not an issue for me. If you are a small, petty, elderly athlete, then strength is potentially a much bigger limiter for you. In which case, that may be what you need to target.
0: Yep. And uh, bike fit in for triathlon versus for uh, time trials in road cycling.
1: I would. S- there shouldn't be a huge difference. It should be a minimal difference. You have to work to deserve your aero position. It's not just a case of your current level. You have to work for it. You have to spend a lot of time in it. It's not, yeah, it's not, a, it's not a fluke that some people are aero and some people aren't. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't like the idea of I can't get aero. I've got to run after. I think that's a pile of so and so. Yes, you can't be the extremist position, but I think you can be pretty. I think you'd be pretty close if you put the hard work into really spend time in position and really work on what's needed to get into that aero position and respect it
0: the balance of training in the tt position versus on the road bike or other bikes for triathletes
1: just n- the n- the nuance of where you are what's available if you are in dubai then great ride your time trial bike every single ride if i were you um but in other places around the world it's just not it's not appropriate so it's maybe a case of What can you get more out of your training by being on a road bike potentially in some cases that may that you may get more just because you can train better because you're not scared of being hit by cars or it's not having got inappropriate gearing but yes most triathletes should most triathletes should be should be using their time trial bike more than what, what they currently are very few ride it enough
0: indoor bike training
1: can be a useful tool as discussed depending on where you live but people become over-reliant on it and you do massively miss out on the ability to ride fast in the real world because in the real world, it is not about riding powerfully, it's about riding fast. You do not learn to ride fast or develop the skill to ride fast outdoors by riding turbo. You are simply just working on an area of physiology. Um, So yeah, I think a lot of people miss out on skills and speed by being too obsessed with a power number indoors and we're better sacrificing some numbers indoors for a suboptimal outdoor section of road where you actually get faster at riding your bike
0: great you did a great job with all of those questions to keep them short so if you want to take a little bit longer with this final one feel free uh running off the bike uh so doing brick runs in training
1: i don't know it's i'll be honest uh i don't i f- i would i don't want to preach things that i'm not uh that i've not got a load of experience in i've as i say because of where i've been I've been, I definitely saw that was an icing on the cake thing. And I, my cake was very, very undercooked and very, really was not ready. So I decided not, to, not to focus on that bit of icing on the cake for that respect. For, in that respect, I didn't do it. I was no. too, too, too about injury risk. Uh, so personally, I did not do a lot of it. I don't prescribe, I don't overly prescribe lots of it to the athletes that I work with. Uh, bits and bobs is the yeah not a very scientific way of saying it making sure you can produce the mechanics when needed but I, i'm not over-reliant on it as a coach but i've not got from a personal perspective i wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to offer a personal experience that i've not really got or really worked on
0: yeah that makes sense um yeah so uh thank you that was uh that was all my questions uh really uh, enjoyed this chat and and it was very uh, very informational uh tell the listeners where can they follow you and find find you and your coaching
1: yeah, so um, I mean, I'm on I'm on Instagram and Twitter on just Jacob Tipper. Um, if you want to see me moan about stuff on Twitter or moan about UK politics, I will be on there slagging off our government. Um, and yeah, and then uh, my, my coaching account and Instagram uh, is just uh, Jacob Tipper Performance Coaching. Uh, I can't say I'm the most active on them anymore. So probably just follow myself or just just reach out to me on LinkedIn or anything if you want to just get in touch. But yeah, I'll be honest, I don't overly press. Uh, there's, there's, if you want a resource you want resources people to follow i'm probably more entertainment than i am in terms of uh scientific uh scientific things to be following on there i keep i keep it kind of quite personal rather than uh yeah there's probably better people if you want pure sports science just for reference
0: yeah all right thank you so much uh hope to do it again another time but really enjoyed this one so uh yeah see you next time yeah no, great to talk
1: to you see you soon bye
0: I hope that you enjoyed that interview. As always, you can find the show notes on scientifictraflam.com with links to Jacob's website, Twitter, Instagram, and also the previous episodes that I've done with him, episodes 344 and 345. Uh, 344 was all about the Sub 7, Sub 8 project where uh, Jacob was the team captain for uh, Joe Skipper's team and put together uh, the team of, uh, of cyclists and pacers helping him. And uh, episode 345 was uh, more going into his own coaching methodology and approach coaching. And um, I remember that episode uh, fondly. It was a, a very good discussion. Uh, pretty long one, I think, but uh, very well worth a listen. I also want to expand a little bit on uh, this interview here today and what I personally think are uh, some of the main take-home messages from the interview of, of today. Firstly, as uh, Jacob said, but it bears repeating, It is not that uh, he's saying or that we're saying that the training he was doing is bad and what he's doing now is good. Uh, It's more that it turned out that the training he was doing was maybe not good for him, at least not at that moment in time, because he wasn't improving. So that is the, the measurement stick, really. For many others, what he uh, what he's doing now might be bad and what he did would have been good. But the message is to be engaged in your own training pro- process. And if you're not progressing, then analyze why that might be and make changes accordingly. It's uh, simple as that. It's not to say that any type of training is uh, better or worse. Uh, that, that's not the point of the interview. Secondly, I think that uh, what uh, Jacob uh, talked about regarding letting his bike go and that being a mistake is an important one to consider as well in general terms it's a bit of a question of how do you balance your resources between strengths and weaknesses and what Jacob did uh, is basically what I think is very natural to do and that is to shift a lot of focus onto your weaknesses in hindsight in his case it turned out to not work out so well and uh, honestly, this is a mistake that I made as a coach uh, several times. It is a very tough one to get right, I think. But, uh, but I do think that the tendency for a lot of people, including myself, clearly, is that we are very motivated to, quote unquote, fix our weaknesses, uh, so much so that we forget to assess the, the negative consequences or potential negative consequences of too much of a shift towards working on weaknesses rather than strengths. Of course, the more short term our outlook is, the more it might make sense to just quickly plaster over the most egregious weaknesses and uh, you won't have time to suffer negative consequences from de-emphasizing your strengths but on the other hand the more long-term the outlook the more you'll benefit from finding the right balance and definitely not letting go of your strengths keeping your strength strengths so uh, so you probably shouldn't de-emphasize them that as much and and as uh, Jacob talked about in his case uh, letting go of cycling too too easily too readily uh, basically was the recipe for him to maybe lose general aerobic fitness because that was um, that was the one sport where he, where he could really create a strong aerobic stimulus to to maintain or improve his aerobic fitness. And finally, I think it's worth repeating what we already said that uh, it's important if you're an athlete or a coach to not get too physiology biased, because there's a lot more to performance than just physiology, including biomechanics, as we discussed in relation to Jacob's running, and uh, as well as psychology, which uh, while we didn't uh, directly address it in the interview, you could argue that it was present throughout. For example, uh, that uh, discussion around feeling like you're stressing from one workout to another, with an excessive amount of, uh, let's call it FF to training ratio, uh, that is going to have a psychological cost that could impact adaptation to training. As an athlete, that's something that I've most definitely felt myself at times. So the point is not that physiology is uh, unimportant, because of course it is hugely important, but that there are many other factors that are also hugely important. So we need to be holistic in our approach to the sport and um, yeah, not get too one-dimensional. If this sounds like uh, a lot of thinking and planning that you need to engage in when it's hard enough to just fit in the training, then that's where good coaching can make all of the difference. One of the main attributes of a good coach is that they start with the athlete and then plan the training from the athlete. They are not married to any given training concept that they try to shoehorn the athlete into, but they have a toolbox with a lot of different options to choose from that they can apply and uh, try to find uh, the right tool for the right athlete and the right situation. If you've been stuck in a rut or you just have big goals that you're working towards and want to give yourself the best chance of achieving them, then a good coach uh, will make sure that you approach your training holistically, not getting too one-dimensional and uh, stagnating as a result. Uh, So if you're interested in this type of coaching, then do check out our coaching options on scientifictriathlon.com, where we have a lot of information about how our coaching works and about all of our coaches. And you can contact me directly if you want more information or to set up a free discovery call. We also have ready-made training plans as a great option if you're on a tighter budget and coaching is not an option. Ready-made plans can never achieve the same rate or magnitude of development as working directly with a coach. But for a large amount of athletes that still have a lot of improvements to make, the structure and consistency you get when you invest in a good training plan is often all that's needed to make pretty massive improvements how big these improvements are depend mostly on how fast you are to start with to be honest and how suboptimal you might have been training Uh, but it's not uncommon for me to get emails from training plan users that have improved their their ironman pb by up to two hours or their half ironman by up to one hour or so uh, no matter what your level is you will always improve the most with a good coach but a good training plan is for a lot of people much much better than designing their own training plan or picking up a free training plan from google or chat gpt or something like that so simply based on budget it is for a large amount of people a very very good option and you can learn more about our training plans on scientificcraftlon.com. In the next episode of the podcast, I interview coach scientist uh, James Sprague, or uh, now Dr. James Sprague. He has been on the show before uh, when he was just starting his PhD work, actually, and now he has completed it. So we'll talk about cycling, training, and coaching, uh, critical power, because a lot of his research has been based around critical power, and so on. If you want to, you can look up uh, James in advance and uh, send in, if you have any questions to him, you can send them in to me, and I will see if I include some listener questions. in the episode. Uh, you can find him on ResearchGate, on uh Instagram, perhaps, uh, Twitter. So check him out. And if you have questions, just send them to me on michael.scientifictriathlon.com. Finally, big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Fuel and Hydration, that you can find on precisionfuelandhydration.com. If you're looking for high quality, practical and tasty fueling and hydration products, make sure that you try uh, Precision Fuel and Hydration. Uh, There are a range of options from drink mix to gels to choose, so you can easily find your personal favorite. And don't forget to take 15% off your first order with the code TTS24. And thank you to zen 8. The Zenate Swim Trainer is a great tool to have in your toolbox to improve your technique and power, to target specific aspects of your stroke, and to maintain consistency when you don't have time to get to the pool. You can try the Zenate Risk-Free for up to 30 days and get 20% off your first order on zen 8 slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving craft love.